Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and I'm joined once again in the KBI studios by my co-hosts, the man with the MBA, Michael Stacy. Hey there. And as always, the charming California native, Annika Merrilies. Hey, Megan. So we have four topics lined up for today's roundtable. First, the state budget is out. How will it impact startups? Second, President Trump wants to end the international entrepreneur rule. The comments period has ended, so what's next? Third and finally, a St. Louis startup was acquired by Sensor RX. How did Well2Do and its CEO, Chris Cardinal, make it happen? After that is another St. Louis startup. I'll be talking to the founders of Mo Magic. Then we're staying in St. Louis because the Gateway Arch is back open, and Missouri Business Alert reporter Christopher Teig is here to talk about it. Now let's get started. For our first topic, on June 29th, Governor Mike Parson signed the budget bills for fiscal year 2019, and a number of his releases and vetoes relate to education and workforce development. So Parson signed the budget bills a week ago today. He approved a $28.6 billion state budget and held back over $12 million through vetoes. He also released fiscal year 18 restrictions, but it turned out that it was too late to transfer the funds. They just couldn't do it before the fiscal year ended. So they sort of bungled the execution of it down the stretch, it seems. <laughs> what what specific programs and light items might be important to entrepreneurs and to technical innovation in the state? So, for instance, 97000 was uh, going to be released for the STEM Career Awareness Program. 400000 was released for Missouri S&T's Project Lead the Way, which is a STEM education program for elementary, middle, and high schools. On to our next topic, uncertainty over the future of the international entrepreneur rule. The Obama-era program would have allowed immigrant startup founders who meet certain conditions five years to stay in the U.S. On June 28th, the Department of Homeland Security completed a listening period on the topic of potentially stopping the program. Right. So the program reportedly would have created as many as 300,000 jobs for U.S. workers. It has support from proponents of economic development across the country, and it's been estimated that only 0.00004% of the world's population would meet the merit-based standards required to participate in the program. That's an awful lot of zeros. (laughs) Yeah, that's a small amount. And this, I think, is significant because it's essentially closing a potential door to entrepreneurs who meet certain conditions as far as their ability to found and grow businesses in the U.S. And, and you might wonder, what what is the big picture impact of entrepreneur founders? Well, if you look at the 2017 Fortune 500, more than 40% of the companies that populated that list, which is the largest, most successful companies in America, more than 40% of those founders were first or second generation Americans. Here in Missouri, three of the 10 Fortune 500 companies in 2017 were founded by immigrants or their children. So it's a decision that's drawing a lot of opposition from business groups because I think they value the contributions of immigrant founders to the American economy. Yeah, who in particular is opposed to shutting down the program? Uh, well, nationally, the one organization that's sort of leading the charge is the National Venture Capital Association. More locally, there were several organizations that signed on to an open letter to the Trump administration last year. That group includes BioSTL, it includes KC Rise, as well as the Enterprise Center of Johnson County, and the former CEO of the Greater St. Louis Chamber. And they signed on to a, a letter that included organizations of a similar ilk from all across the country. Huh. So the listening period just ended. Where do things go from here? 
So the Trump administration has officially issued a notice to end the program, and the comment period has ended, so now we just have to see what next steps the administration takes. And the private sector has voiced their opposition, so we'll see where it goes from here. On to our next topic. St. Louis startup Well2Do developed an app called Migraine Coach that can help you manage your migraines. It's now being acquired by the Charlotte-based health company SensorRx. So SensorRx actually has their own migraine app, MigraineRx, which was launched in 2017. The Well2Do app, Migraine Coach, has been around since 2015. SensorRx first reached out to the CEO of Well2Do, Chris Cardinal, two months ago. He'd been approached by two other potential buyers, but SensorRx was the first one that he thought felt like the right fit. And why, for Chris, did SensorRx make sense as an acquirer? Like, why was this fit so good? So the two apps are not exactly the same. The SensorRx app was tailored to clinicians, and it had the primary purpose of tracking data, while the Migraine Coach app was really developed for consumers and had the goal of predicting and preventing migraines. So now that Well2Do has been acquired by SensorRx, Migraine Coach is being retired, and everyone who uses it will be integrated into the SensorRx app, which will adopt some of Migraine Coach's technology and formulas. Yeah, so I talked to Chris Cardinal, and he was very excited that this is a big health company that has the resources and experience to do the things that him and his team wasn't able to with a small-scale startup. That does it for the roundtable. Next up, two interviews after a short break. Hi, everybody. I'm Drew Polevsky, and I'm here to let you know that Speaking Startup is now looking for sponsors. If you're looking for a creative way to market to an audience of informed business decision makers across the state of Missouri, Speaking Startup is the place for you. For more information about how you can promote your company through Speaking Startup, check out the link in the description. Now, back to the program. When it comes time to cut the grass this year, two St. Louis entrepreneurs want you to forget firing up the mower and instead fire up the smartphone. MowMagic, a mobile app and website launched in May, is designed to let users request immediate lawn care service. Think Uber, but for lawn mowing. I talked to co-founders Ryan Leffler and Mike Braun all about it. Hello. Hey, Megan. How are you? Hey. To start, can I have you both introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about who you are? Yeah, uh, my name's Ryan Leffler. I'm the developer. Me and Mike work together for our seven or eight years now. And my name's Mike Braun. I am co-founder with Ryan of MoMagic. Cool. So next question. Tell me, what is MoMagic? MoMagic is a service that connects property owners who need their lawn mowed with people who are willing to mow their lawn. That is kind of the short and sweet of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, anybody can sign up to mow. Anybody can sign up to uh, get their lawn mowed. And what you do is, as a consumer, you set the price that you want to pay, and it'll ping out to everybody who signed up on the app on, on the provider side of things. And then people can pick and choose which lawns they want to go mow. So how did this get started? Where did the idea come from? Me and Mike kind of both came together with the idea. For me, it was I, I usually mowed my own lawn. and. I needed somebody else to do it. I called three companies. One company called me back. They said they could come out in two days to give me a quote, and then they'd be able to mow my lawn, you know, a week from then. Uh, that's really what what came to mind for me. Yeah, and I was out of town, and my wife called me and said, "Hey, the lawn is really long. You know, we need to get it mowed, so on and so forth." And I said, "I can't believe there's no kids in our neighborhood, like high school kids, knocking on the door asking to mow." That kind of situation of being frustrated, and not having anyone to mow the lawn while I was out of town coupled with 
working with a guy like Ryan, who actually knows how to make all that come together and, and work. And then he and I had this conversation. We were both like, oh, geez, we just had this similar experience together. And here we are. Wow. So what happened after that? So it's funny how it like officially, and Ryan, if I mess this story up, let me know, but how it like officially transpired. It just kind of kept coming back into our conversations. And so that kind of materialized in my head one day. And I literally was like, want to come outside with me? And he walked outside and I said, we do Mo Magic. And he said, yes. And we shook hands and said 50-50. And he said, yes. And I said, yes. And about a week later, we had the contract drawn up. The next step that had to happen was the app needed to be developed. So I started working on that about three years ago, I would say. Maybe a little bit more, three and a half now. So how did your guys' approach change for this one versus the other startups that you guys have worked on? So everyone says this, so I'm going to sound like a cliche. Get your product out. Do not try to make it perfect because it's not going to be. Because whatever's perfect to you is not going to be perfect to someone else. And even though, you know, Ryan says three years and it sounds like, geez, you know, that's a long time. I've heard of people coding something in a weekend and throwing it out. First of all, those are totally different types of things. But I think that was the biggest thing is even when we released this, a few, you know, about six weeks ago now-ish, if both Ryan and I had, had completely had everything that we wanted in it, we would have been developing for another year or two. And so you just have to get it out and get feedback. And the feedback we got so far over the six weeks, I think a good amount of it is stuff that we never really considered, right. which is why you've got to get the product out. And we didn't do that with Bridge. Hmm. With Bridge, we kept trying to refine and make it perfect. And it never was. Hmm. Um, I know in talking to my friends, there's a lot of people, one of the, the most interesting things and difficult things is how much is actually going on behind what we see. Well, as a user, you open up an application and you see a screen and the screen may only literally have one button on it, but there might be five databases that are dumping information from that page into those databases. There is so much that goes into the back end work. It took me a long time. I would say to Ryan, well, let's just put this button here. And he would be like, you realize that changes like literally a thousand things in the background. That's just what I'm going to have to do. You know? Yeah, that's um, funny. It's just really, really complicated stuff in the background that you don't really know unless... Oh, and, and when you guys were getting started too, how much money did you originally need to kick off and how'd you get invested? Or how'd you get investments? I basically put the money in, so it's all self-funded. Yeah. Uh, I've got about 20 grand into it to get it off the ground. When did you guys first open up? So we launched around, I think it was May 13th-ish. And then, you know... We got in the news so quick that we had tons of people sign up the first week, but we didn't have enough mowers. So a lot of people were putting oh, yeah. in, but nobody was actually mowing the job. So, <laughs> but then after that, we've seen a big uptick in the mowers. I know for quite a few weeks, we doubled in mows every single week. We've got about 1,500 users just in St. Louis. So right now we're only available in St. Louis, I guess, just to make that clear. Yeah. So, you know, things are going well for, for only being out for, you know, a month and a half and uh, not doing too much marketing. Personally, I think things are going pretty well. Uh, what are your plans for the future now? In the next two months-ish, we're going into two new markets. Those haven't been 100% identified yet. So we've got feedback from our launch here in St. Louis. But now we, now with all that feedback, we've made changes and we want to go launch in a few other markets to see if you know the, the changes that we made affect um, the outcome. Like, for example, if we go launch in Omaha, Nebraska, can we solve this initial demand versus supply? So not having enough mowers, 
before the problem occurs. Mm. Um, and so we want to test that out. And the reason we want to test it out this year is, is to kind of prepare for a much bigger launch in the, the spring of, of 19, which Ryan can talk to a little bit more. You know, we're hoping probably 20 to maybe 50 cities by the end of next year. If it goes really, really well, we can do more. Uh, if not, we can tone it down a little bit. What's your guys' plan for the winter when there's no more need to mow? No magic. Yeah? Is that, is that, yeah? yeah? That's right. Yeah, the app flips in the winter to snow blowing and, and shoveling app. Same consumer base, same, same people who are mowers can then use it when it snows. Wow. Thank you for being on Speaking Startup, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. The Gateway Arch in St. Louis is finally open after a long five years of renovations. No one is more thrilled than the owners of the surrounding businesses. Missouri Business Alert reporter Christopher Teig is here to tell us all about it. Hey, Chris. Hi, Megan. So, tell me about the story that you just wrote. Right, so um, this week the Gateway Arch Grounds reopened. As many people who have lived in St. Louis probably know, it's been a grueling five years of renovation over there. The construction kind of closed a lot of main access ways in the area and blocked off businesses. So uh, the reopening wasn't just kind of like a public spectacle and uh, people getting excited about the park itself. Uh, it was actually something that's been something a lot of businesses were looking forward to also. What's the purpose of the renovation on the arch? The arch, I believe back in 2012 or so, was at its lowest kind of visitation rate. Yeah. The arch itself is a pretty iconic symbol of Missouri. People know it everywhere. And uh, I think they just kind of wanted to kind of revamp that riverfront and see if they could get it bustling again. Yeah. So I've never actually really even been to the Arch. Can you explain what is it like in that area and where are the businesses around it? So the, the park is surrounded by a number of different business districts, you know, if you can imagine any downtown area. But the, but the story that I actually did uh, focused on a historic business district called Laclede's Landing. It was a big destination spot. But then during construction, about two-thirds of the restaurants ended up having to leave just because they weren't doing enough business. Mm. So they went from 17 restaurants before construction started back in 2013 uh, to about six restaurants now. Wow. So do you know why they were having such a hard time staying in business? Was it because like the entryways were closed off or were they just in an area that it wasn't very populated because the construction was going on? Yeah, it was definitely the, a little bit of both. Uh, a lot of the former, you know, access ways were closed, parking spots were lost. This was on top of a bunch of other things that sort of oh. compounded on it. You know, yeah. in 2016, the Rams, the football team there left, you know, they're still coming out of the 2008 recession in, in some ways. There's even a lot of uh, negative press around the time about rising crime in the area, too. So there's all these different factors added on top of this heavy, heavy construction before it happened, was there an uproar from the business community saying, hey, this is going to be really bad for our businesses? So I was speaking with this guy in one of, I think, the oldest restaurant in Liquid's Landing. It's called Big Daddy's on the Landing. Um, the owner there, Ryan Loeffler, he was talking about how when they first announced that the renovation was going to happen, everyone saw it as this, this great thing. But they didn't really anticipate just how affected they'd be by the construction. So yeah. I mean, it really, really put a damper on their business. Yeah. Okay. So now, when was the renovation completed? 
It was completed this year. They reopened the park this week. They had the 4th of July events, including the return of Fair St. Louis. It's a music festival that they hold there annually. So how are the business owners responding now that it's opened up once more? Uh, I spoke with some people that are hoping to get back into it and revitalize the area. These, you know, entrepreneurs taking a chance, opening their businesses there. I spoke with Vicki Ownings. She kind of runs the Laclede's Landing Merchants Association. She's very excited. They've got three new businesses looking to move in there. One of them is an axe-throwing bar. So what? I, I don't, yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure myself, but I, these are becoming more popular right now where you, you go to, a, you, you drink beer and you throw axes at the wall, so. Wow, that sounds like a dangerous idea, but I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. they have some type of precaution in place. I would assume so too, but they're talking about moving in there later this month and people seem pretty excited about that. Wow. Thanks for joining me on Speaking Startup, Chris. Thanks, Megan. We're almost done. Just one more segment to go. It's a look at some important numbers in startup and entrepreneurship news. Come on, guys. Let's say it all together. One, two, three. Can, Can I, I get, get your, your digits? digits. <laughs> all right. Can I get your digits, Michael? Uh, absolutely. My number for the week is 8,000, and that is the square footage of the new Made in KC Marketplace. It opened on the Country Club Plaza this week. Uh, it's going to feature retail brands like Ampersand, SoKC, and Made Urban Apparel. It will also feature food and beverage vendors, and it's, it seems like it's just a cool, different concept that's coming to this retail area in Kansas City that traditionally has larger national vendors. So it'll be interesting to see how kind of the, the smaller local vendors can, if they can hold their own against the big guys. Annika, can I get your digit? Sure can. Uh, this week, my number is $432 million. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce has said that the tariffs recently imposed by the U.S. could potentially affect Missouri exports to Canada in the number of $432 million. Check out Lily O'Neill's story on the Missouri Business Alert website for more on that. Sounds this like an excellent <laughs> idea. Nice. <laughs> Love that. So this morning, American tariffs on $34 billion worth of Chinese goods went into effect. This is without question the story of the day. And we're just in the process of figuring out how this might affect Missouri entrepreneurs. Uh, Megan, can I get your digits? <laughs> of course. My digit is 7,000. That's the current value of Bitcoin in U.S. dollars, which is 70% less than what it was worth just a year ago. Wow. Why has it dropped so much? Huh. Good question. Well, a new report from the Bank for International Settlements offers a few reasons. First, it's inefficient because Bitcoin's power usage already equals all of Switzerland's because of its massive proof of work system, which requires every entry to be duplicated millions of times. And then it's also not scalable because every transaction causes the blockchain to grow larger. So for a cryptocurrency to accommodate all of U.S. retail transactions, it would need a ledger larger than 100,000 gigabytes. And finally, the value is just too unstable. I mean, Bitcoin is not viable for a means of exchange on day-to-day -day transactions if the value can change so dramatically overnight. Overall, we're just going to have to see where Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency market goes from here. All right, it's been a good conversation. Same time, same place next week. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's end it with an entrepreneurship tip from Tim Ferriss, author of The 4-Hour Workweek and the host of the podcast Tribe of Mentors. The best advice I've ever received is that you're the average of the five people you associate with most. Choose your team wisely. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced and edited by me, Megan Lismith. Thank you to Michael Stacy and Annika Merrilies for hosting. Our theme music was produced by Poddington Bear. We'll speak to you next week.